All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Okay, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? Yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay. So that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay, then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Balake. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host. I almost did Justin Pennick. But we have a guest co-host, the Football Grumper, the Just Giants podcast. Justin Justin is sick, I guess, so he's skipping out on the podcast. So I didn't want to cancel draft week, like way too early draft week. I look forward to it. It's like the it's like the highlight of June. So I know the Football Grump knows his draft stuff and he knows his Giants. Grump, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Yeah, you know, I may be a degenerate with a nose ring, but I, I show up for work when called. You know what I'm saying? So... I'm here. I'm, I'm subbing in. I can only hope to do uh, this podcast justice and uh, only hope to do Justin some justice here. I'm I'm glad you took that shot that Justin took at Kid Ares Tony personal to you. <laughs> um, I'm just glad you're not wearing a Luigi costume because I remember your first video live stream with us. You had a Luigi costume on. Was that the first one? I'm not sure. But yeah, that was, well, that you, was like you on came Halloween. on the pod last summer, but that was the first time on video. Like we did a stream, it was like it was like the day before Halloween or something, and you had a Luigi costume. You know, I'm actually planning on I'm, I'm planning on like it's some difficult thing, but uh, I want to make a gif of myself just wearing that hat so I can respond to a bunch of Twitter comments anytime someone says something stupid just because it's got the L on it. I think I'm gonna tw- I'm gonna go grab that. I'm gonna screen grab that and put it out tonight, like before the episode comes out, and be like on tomorrow's podcast. Um. So before we do get into it, tell us about just, you know, this isn't going to be an interview. You're literally just going to be co-hosting, but I would have to give you some love. What is Just Giants podcast and why is it my favorite Giants podcast? Well, Just Giants podcast is the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. Um, so that's kind of why you love it. Um, but, but really, it's it's me and my cousin. We, we're season ticket holders and um, we've been doing the podcast for a number of years. It's on... SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever podcasts are, it's it's everywhere, and uh, we mainly operate through Twitter for our stuff. It, it, you can follow the the podcast there, but it's like a barren wasteland. You just follow me at football underscore grump, um, and we do like you guys are super duper analytical here, and I love that. And and that was kind of my aim in the beginning, but I I kind of wanted to stray into a different territory, and that was you know using analytics and using film to take a level-headed approach to reactions to Giants games. It's so easy to fire off a really, really frustrated, angry, you know, response episode. And it's really easy to make a really excited one, but it's hard to be level-headed and stay right in the middle. So that's kind of our aim. And that's kind of what we do over there. Yeah. And, and, you know, we had you guys on for our, like our big, you know, three hour episode last year. And I wasn't too familiar, but I listened to you guys after. I'm like, oh, wow. Like that's what we're going for is reason, like reasonable, like not hot takey, so it's it's a good show. The draft stuff. I mean, if there's, I I don't say that, and we'll we'll get off the the promotion here in a second. But it's like I t- I message you about the draft more than anybody else. Like, what do you think of this guy? 
you saved us on on night two with Aaron Robinson. It's like, oh my god, they drafted someone we didn't. We were I did 130 profiles in the third round. They drafted someone I didn't do one on. So you saved us with that. But to get off the promotion, is Justin soft for not recording a podcast on a strep throat? Look, I. If it were me, I'd be recording with a strep throat. I, I've recorded episodes after games at 2 in the morning. I've been editing episodes so they're up at 5 a.m. And I'm up at, at 6 a.m. to go to the gym. you know. But I would never call Justin Soft after seeing him tackle that tackling dummy. I mean, no regard for his body whatsoever. Face in the dirt, sliding. I, I wouldn't call him soft to his that face. That might no. be his best video. But I, I just want to say I've only missed two episodes of Talking Giants ever. One was my dog died that day, and the other was my grandpa died. And when my um, when my grandpa died, I regretted not recording because I was like, "Oh, I could have recorded." I was like, "I was in a good enough mental state to record." Um, the dog one, I definitely couldn't have, um, which is like actually like one year to the date, like next week. So how about that? Bringing back some sad memories. But I, I just I was like I was like, "Come on, Justin, just, just gargle some apple cider vinegar, and you know, take some warm Theraflu and be good to go." I don't know. Maybe he just needs to rip out his own tonsils and then join onto the show. He has I mean, the wor- he has like the worst health issue. Well, I guess strep throat's not that bad. Even though, like you mentioned, it's like who gets strep throat in June? Um, <laughs> he got shingled. He had a, a kidney stone that he was dealing with for like a month, and it just like magically went away last year. Um, so Justin truly is an old man. I was going to say, isn't shingles something you get in like your fifties? I'm not. I don't know it. much about shingles. I know Terry Bradshaw <laughs> did like a commercial. It's like. Everyone gets shingles, so I know I'm going to get it one day. Um, but I don't even know what it is. Like, when I hear shingles, I think of shingles on a roof. And I think of you having, like, basically, like, alligator skin or something. I don't really know what, what shingles actually is. I think it's like a reoccurrence of chicken pox or something like that. See, I never got chicken pox. I never got any, anything like that. Um, but we are continuing t- the way too early draft week. We're doing defensive players today. Um, eight guys. Some edge guys, linebackers, even a corner thrown in there. Why don't you just dive right into it? I mean, that's what the people are here. We're going to do giant stories in a little bit. I would love to dive right into it. This is the, the, the draft stuff is my favorite stuff to do. It's tough doing it right now, and because yes. like I have like I want to find a player I love. You know what I mean? Like I go into this like last year doing this 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 exact exercise. I found out about Chas Surratt, and it's like I like this guy, but it's hard projecting. Okay, it's like. Because these guys are still in their peak getting better years as football players, you know? It's like if I'm projecting a guy from year four to year five in the NFL, it's like, okay, like I'm not expecting some major jump. But with these college players, it's like, one, there's going to be guys that we don't know about who aren't on these, you know, these lists a year early. And it's like some, a lot of these players are going to get better and some won't. And the boards are going to look a, t- a totally different. I mean, last year we did it. We had two guys go undrafted who are, you know, like Dylan Moses and Sage Surratt. Um, so I didn't really fall in love with anybody besides actually the cornerback from Florida, Karelim, uh, Elam, but I'll start it out and I'll start it out with the edge because the edge is the Giants biggest position of need on the defense. And it is Kingsley JJ and Nogbar. I think I got that right out of edge out of South Carolina. It's E N A G B A R E six foot three, 270 pounds. So he fits that outside linebacker edge role and not like that hand-in-the-dirt defensive and, you know, Davion Clowney type defensive end. Um, he's a do-it-all type player, and he's actually switching to a buck position when I want to talk about. Um, 
What you notice with him is his hands. His hands are quick. They strike fast, and he is shedding guys with his hands. And that's that's really what I like. That's my like. If you're doing that in college, I I love that because so so many guys don't have like a plan for their hands. They just kind of like try and run around the edge, or they bull rush you. No, he has like actual hand moves, and that's how you embarrass tackles is with your hands. Like you're not going to embarrass NFL tackles with your speed a ton. It's with your it's with your hands how you do it, where you get them leaning and and you you know get them off balance. Um, so you just, it just pops off the screen. And like I said, it sets him up for like these really nice inside moves where, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's setting him up outside and just does a hand swipe. And then bam, he's, he's pressuring the QB from the inside. Um, the negative side to that is I don't think he has great speed or get off of the, off of the line, you know, so he doesn't try and bend the corner a lot or when he does, he's not super successful, which I guess could put some type of a cap on him, but maybe he's more of a, a second guy. Um, as good as he in the pass game, he's like the same in the run. Like all those reasons why he's good in the pass game is why he's good in the run, and he has like good tackles for losses. Um, motor never stops. Like he has a, like I, coverage sacks are real sacks. I hate when people discount sacks as coverage sacks. He gets some of those because he just never stops. Like if he doesn't win around the edge, he continues. He counters. He battles. Um, and he's a guy where you know a good tackle he may struggle with at times. Um, not struggle with, but it's like, you know, he's he's not going to just totally dominate them. You line him up on the inside, he dominates guards and centers, which is, you know, the NFL is about taking advantage of opportunities. Um, was second in the in the SEC for sacks with six and a half. And they're moving him to this buck spot, which is more like a rover linebacker, where it's like you're going to line up on the edge, you're going to be stand up, you're going to back off as an inside linebacker, you're going to line up in the A-gap, which I think is beautiful for the Giants, what their scheme is looking for. Um, doesn't have much experience dropping the coverage yet, but he will this year playing that spot. So I'm really excited to see how he grows in that spot. Cause that's where his size and like his ability, like projects as someone who would probably have to play that outside linebacker role. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't know that he was moving into that buck spot. So the one thing I noticed is that he had no real coverage experience it, it didn't look like to me at South Carolina and uh yeah it's kind of one of those things that um we think the Giants are looking for in their guys is somebody to be able to drop back a little bit so if he's doing that this year then that's definitely something to watch out for and you know like you were saying that it's really difficult to do these lists because you want to fall in love with these guys you can't approach these June lists the way you do your um like your March and April ones your March and April ones you kind of have what you have going into this. This is a lot about banking on what this year is going to be. Are they going to take that next step? And it's really 50-50 with these guys. So this is exactly what you're talking about. Like a lot of his development is going to depend on is he going to drop into coverage or is he going to be that straight edge guy? Because that's going to move... I don't want to say it's going to take him off the board for teams, but it'll move him places, I think, his ability to do that and show that. Yeah, and and I think him not... like. There, you know, we're we don't watch a ton at this point, you know, a couple games, but there was never like, man, he just beat this dude around the corner, like just quick right off the ball, like didn't even need a pass rush moves or just did a little rip. But that's what I like about him, though, is he does use his hands. Those are those are the things I t- I fall in love with. Is guys who you makes tackles have to think where you know it's a lot easier for a tackle when it's like you don't really have to think about your hands a ton, where it's just you know 
make sure he doesn't beat you around the corner and make sure you're not leaving you're not oversetting and setting leaving your inside open it's like no it's like you have to be ready for everything because he has those fast quick violent hands um so that's what i really liked about him um and what seems to be a decent edge class yeah, th- this one's certainly better than last year's, I would say. Or at least it's looking like it's going to be better than last year. We don't even know who's going to declare, who's not going to, you know, all sorts of different things like that. But the the 2020 Edge class might have been the worst one that I can remember in a while. Um, when you're talking about his hands, I, I agree with you. Guys who have developed hand fighting in college, especially when they're not even seniors yet, is... Um, that's advanced. You know, most most guys coming out of college, that's one of the things they got to work on. And and even NFL players, they do off-season things where they do grappling classes and they do boxing classes and it's to work on their hands. Um with him, especially what I noticed, what makes his hand so effective is that he's strong as hell and he's really fast with it. He doesn't have a lot of wasted movement with his hands. Um and uh, that that's like even more advanced than guys who just have developed pass rush moves and, and hand fighting ability and hand placement. Uh, uh, beyond that, he's productive with his hands already. That's that's pretty Yeah, advanced. and it all translates to the run game too, which is why it's like I can overlook him not being the fastest guy around the corners because like, he plays like, you know, a lot of these guys who like, you know, they like Chris Rumpf I really like. Now, Chris Rumpf had speed, but it's like he is horrible versus the run where where Kingsley, he can he can – uh, play it well versus the run too. So who is first on your list that you want to talk about? Um, well, you know what? I think it's I think it's probably the least chaotic way is to keep it in the same uh same position group. So I had uh Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Um six five, two hundred and fifty pounds, true junior this year, so may not come out, but you know probably will Oregon's not really looking to be a powerhouse I don't think um at, at 6'5 250 he's he's got the right body type already um he's the right frame to add needed muscle he's gonna need upper and lower body I think just from looking at him um I'm not a doctor I'm, I'm gonna say that a lot um he's really fast for the position he and and more than just being fast he's fast off the line fires right out of his stance and right into the laps of O-linemen. I would say almost to the point where it's, I don't want to say it's a negative, but I think there's sometimes he's so fast and he gets right into offensive linemen that he could actually probably bypass them if he chooses to. I'm, he kind of chooses violence. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'll, and I hate, to, I hate to interrupt while you're in the middle, but there's times where it's like, dude, go bend the corner. It's like, you've got it. And it's like, he just goes right into offense. It's like, he loves the bull rush and just dominating offensive linemen. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I actually wrote that down. It's like, dude, like you could win around the edge here, and you're just trying to go through the offensive lineman instead. Yeah, see, this is this is why you know I will never be uh, I will never take the place of Justin for more than a guest episodes because I think all of our notes are probably identical without even talking to each other. Because what I have written down, uh, I have to skip a little bit here. Let me see. Um, he only has decent bend around the edge. So his outside rushes need to win immediately or be on a five to seven step drop or they won't be productive. And on top of that, um, he he kind of he has the speed to knife inside or loop around the outside or bull rush really effectively. But that's pretty much all he's working with right now. And that's kind of the detriment of these guys who are elite level coming out of high school and into college is that. They can win on athleticism. It's up to them to know that they need to keep getting better if they want to be 
you know, this upper echelon player going to the next level. And it's got to start right away. So for him, he's winning a lot on his athleticism, particularly his speed and his, um, I, I guess you would say his instincts, his ability to fire out of his stance. Um, yeah, but the biggest thing for me that, that keeps him from being that like top 10 player for me right now is I don't see the bend around the edge from him. Like if he doesn't win with just the pure speed, he can get washed right down to the ground. I don't see that elite bend. It's fine. It's decent bend, but it's it's not that. You know, it's it's just not that, I don't know, Montez Sweat kind of bend or, or something like that. Um, I would say he's scheme versatile. Uh, I could see him playing in a 4-3 defense or a 3-4 defense. I think he can. He does stand up. I think he can cover shallow routes. I think he can run with running backs out of the backfield. But he primarily plays with his hand in the dirt. So I think, I think he would fit into the Giants, you know, multi-look scheme really, really well. I would say that he's gotten better last year in the shortened year uh, in the run game. I think based on the accumulation of film that we have, you can say that he can sometimes disappear in the run game. I wouldn't say he's a liability like we were seeing with Ellerson Smith and and, and Rumpf. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is that he may not always be productive but sometimes he's neutralizing two to three blockers just with his pure speed off the edge and that bull rush. He's really pushing so many people into the lap of the quarterback. He's disrupting a lot of shit. So I, I, I mean, this is this is a a dude to watch. And if he can refine on some of those rough edges, he could definitely be the the upper to, uh, end of the first round. Yeah, I, I think I think he's right now. He's like projected like top five and stuff. Um, which he like he has stuff to work on, and I think he can uh, be in that range. Um, it's not like you know Chase Young going into his final year or anything, but you know, not many guys are. Um, like you mentioned, how it's like oh you know he relies on athleticism. You know he's still young, and like like you mentioned, he just doesn't like we we're talking so much about hands with Kingsley. It's like he doesn't use his hands at all, besides like for bull rushing and bull and pull. You know where he's just like. He's just being like a physical, like physical and strong and, and fast and keeping his feet moving. Where it's like, if you got some, added some hand swipes and stuff, it would, you know, put him on a different level. Um, I first noticed him, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker in that game versus USC, which everyone was like, oh, that, you know, he dominated Elijah Vera Tucker. I don't think he dominated AVT. He had some, like, he, if at the end of the day, he did win that game versus him. Um, but like, you know, there's like, good reps like bull rushing Elijah Vera Tucker and, and pushing Elijah Vera Tucker back into the QB's lap, which is, you know, I loved AVT and obviously he's playing guard, not tackle, but still there. So yeah. Um, he's not like done yet, but also like the pack 12 also screwed their guys too. When it came down to like the co- like they didn't start till late. So they didn't really have their off season. Um, so yeah, if he adds, you know, some pass rush moves instead of just me being fast and strong and going right through dudes, yeah, he can take that step to the next level. Um, and as far as like you know, playing scheme wise, the Giants showed that they're not stuck in the way they played in 2020. You know, Ellerson Smith doesn't fit the way they played in 2020. You know, so they're, they they uh, they showed that they truly are trying to be uh, multiple this year. So I, I like Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, take those steps. And the guy's had nine sacks as a true freshman. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the drafting of Ellerson Smith really indicates that? I mean, to me, and, and I loved Ellerson Smith. I, I hopped on the uh, the live draft uh, 
show that you guys were doing when he was drafted. I loved him a lot, but to me, he's still going to be like a rotational pass rusher. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if that's really an indication. I mean, there might be other indicators out well, there. Well, I'll say that during the pre-draft process covering it, it was like, you know, stay away from guys that are just pass rushers. You know, like Rashad Weaver. It's like, I love Rashad Weaver. And spare me the comments. I know he got arrested after the draft. You know, I wasn't predicting that. Um, but it's like he's like he doesn't fit what they were trying to do. So And, and it's the fourth-round pick you're taking. A, but Ellison Smith has the ability to drop back in coverage, too. Like, he, he's athletic enough. Um and I think he showed up a little thicker than the Giants realized when they like. Remember after um, the first rookie camp when you know Judge was like, you know, you see some of these guys in person, you're like, wow, he's a little thicker than I thought. That's I think he was talking about Ellison Smith because he looks he looks the part for that outside linebacker spot. They did like a whole interview process on him and his uh, like weight gain from the moment he. It's crazy uh, how much left he, high he went from like 195 to like two you know 260. It's crazy. Yeah, it was really like a manual growth spurt. I, I've I've never heard of anyone putting on that much muscle weight in that short amount of time. I'm glad you put the disclaimer of muscle weight because I was gonna be like, yeah, I I know may know a few people <laughs> um, who who have put that on. Um, all right, next on my list, I actually was gonna do him first, but then I screwed up my sheets in the order I had him out of Alabama, and I don't I don't think he's the best inside linebacker that I'm gonna talk about. But he is like you know the top of the list for people inside linebacker out of Alabama, Christian Harris, six foot two, two hundred thirty two pounds. In two thousand twenty, in thirteen games, he had seventy nine tackles, seven for a loss, four and a half sacks, and an interception. Um, started as a true freshman in twelve games, had sixty one tackles, seven and a half tackles for a loss. He is a naturally fast and quick player who is just like it's effortless. Like you see his athleticism and it's effortless. You know, it's not like he's having to you know drive down and and really you know, like, like sell out to get to the play quick. Like, no, it happens like pretty easy to him. Um, for an inside linebacker, he shows up as a pass rusher. Like I'm going to put out a clip, um, tomorrow of him, like pass rushing versus the versus the Gators versus Georgia, where it's like, man, this guy's getting QB hits. He's getting sacks. Um, and it's just that speed, that agility to get around the corner and bend. Um, like he just puts hits on QBs and obviously that showed up with, with four and a half sacks in 2020. Um, so he shows up as a blitzer more than anything. Um, and his blitzes can like, because of he, he, he has that speed, it's, it can set other guys up on the offensive line where it's like, you can, you know, speed confuses offensive linemen when you got someone coming or looping around. Um, and you have guys leaving when they're not supposed to do, um, in the, in the run game, uh, he is aggressive. He attacks aggressively, you know, and a lot of times in the college game now, because it's so pass happy. These, you know, these Sam linebackers are like, they have to play two gaps, which a lot of guys get frozen up in that because they don't want to lose their gap responsibility. Now with that, he is a little like undisciplined with that too, where it's like he jumps, he jumps a gap and then he leaves a gap um, wide open. Um, but I, I'd rather him play with those inst instincts and then try and, you know, figure it out. Like he's, he's a guy who has a little ton of growth uh, ability in him, um, can scrape from the backside quickly. Sometimes he'll he'll get he'll get caught up, and that's another thing. It's the more that I do this way too early draft week, I think it's like you know what college football is about learning how to use your hands. Because I think when he does take on blocks, he doesn't get bullied or anything, but he doesn't de he doesn't like shed them like crazy because he doesn't really use his hands. He kind of just runs into guys, and he has the speed and the agility to 
win a lot without having to use his hands. Um, but it's like, dude, just like add some 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 hand usage. And the guy I'm going to talk about next, he's he's good at that. Um, so like I said, he needs to use his hands to sh- uh, shed blocks anymore. I like his coverage ability. I know people will say that it's his weakness. And there was a, a Georgia play where he gets pit out and man coverage on the outside where they motion the running back. And he gets beat deep for like a 60, 70 yard touchdown. But it's like, can't one, don't put your inside linebackers in man coverage on running backs out on the outside, especially in the college game. But it's like, in man coverage, even against like guys like Kyle Pitts, he was like right in their hip pocket. Um, in zone, Alabama didn't get tested over the middle a lot, but it seemed like he understood like that cover three match scheme that Nick Saban likes to run. Um, so, you know, it seemed like he was passing stuff off well, but it was hard to say. But like, like I said, you put him in, I, I was watching him in man coverage versus Kyle Pitts, and it was like, there was one time where Kyle Pitts, I thought, beat him really good. The other times, it's like he was as good as, covering as Kyle Pitts as good as anybody um, um, did. So, he is the second out of, like, the guy I'm going to talk about next, Devin Lloyd out of Utah. I would rank him just right now a higher player. But Christian Harris has all the ability to get better and become like a, you know, a, a, a top of the first round number one inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, the number one word that I have written down for Christian Harris is fluid. Everything looks, like you said, effortless. He's like he's kind of just like gliding around and into into gaps. He, I think, he, I think his coverage ability is very good. Um, exactly what you said. I don't, I don't know the Georgia play that you're referencing where he's in man coverage against a running back on the outside. I can't imagine a situation in which you'd ever want to do that at the NFL level. Uh, you know, you kind of do things with what you've got. And if that's not, if he's not somebody who's a linebacker that could almost play slot corner, I I wouldn't put any linebacker out there to do that. I mean, I can't, can you think of a single NFL linebacker that you would put on man coverage against an NFL running back in coverage? Well, you think even like Isaiah Simmons, like his first game, he gets beat for like an ADR touchdown. Like, so it's just... You know how they, they motion. That's they not, motion that's the not a measure of a linebacker's you know, like coverage. A lot of times it's just to see like what kind of covers they're in. And it's like, okay, like I if you're going to put the linebacker out there, make sure you got a safety over the top where it's not just, all right, these two guys basically running in a straight line. Like Harris has no – he's not going to know how to win with leverage. and pre- like It's basically just a running back and a linebacker running in a straight line. Who's faster? <laughs> yeah, that, that to me is not the measuring stick. That's not the yardstick for how you grade – the coverage ability of a linebacker. I mean, if he were a corner, then we can really scrutinize that play and, and get into it. But he, he's not, and uh, I don't, you know, whatever. It's, it's anecdotal. Um, but you, you know, like you said, he's a little bit wild. Yeah, I have I have written down that he's an animal. He, he's he's really aggressive and sometimes overly aggressive. He just kind of like, do, do you know what a flail is? Like when an NBA player flails up for a shot. No. No, like a, it's it's like a medieval weapon. It's like a stick with a chain and then like a ball. Well, now I do. I remember it from around. the cable guy, which gets talked about on the show a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like a flail. Like he's just kind of like he just flies right in. and He's gonna hit whatever the hell he's gonna hit. Um, I, I mean, I like Christian Harris. I I wouldn't put him as the number one linebacker in this class either. I think I have them ranked the same way that you do, probably. Um, but. He could definitely rise. Again, this is another dude that's a true junior. Um, he's playing at Alabama. So you're talking about like the the highest echelon of, of coaching and, and, you know, weight room stuff 
that that college football has to offer is is you know these schools like Alabama um, and the SEC. So he he can definitely develop all of these things that he's a little bit weak on, and I think some of it is just coming from inexperience. But the fact is. Uh, he got snaps as a freshman, didn't yeah. he? At Alabama, yeah, I mean, he, he exactly. Got 60, I mean that that right there says so much. Um, at Alabama, which is you know produces all types of inside linebackers. Yeah, I'm a fan of his, and, and like you said, he can't. Yeah, I think he can grow a ton. Um, where you know Devin Lloyd, who I'm going to talk about next, you know after your next guy, he's like it's it's he's a little more refined, and refined is good, but it's like you don't ha- you don't get to see that like next step from some of those guys. But I always, I always like with the guy, and I think me and you were the same on uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker that the uh, that the Redskins took. I was like, I love that this guy has all this athletic first round ability, and I get he's inexperienced. But I want my inexperienced guys to be aggressive, and he is not. He was very passive. He seemed like he was just waiting for the play to come to him. It's like, dude, just go, play your gap and go, which is why. You know, I'm not going to tweet about it because I just don't feel like having Washington fans down my throat. But I thought that was a huge reach at 20. And then Gettleman later that week said like he was the other guy on their board with Kadarius Tony at 20, which makes me really happy that they took uh that that Washington took him a pick before. Yeah, I would not have been on board with that pick there. You know, I like guys like that because you can. It, it, I thought he would have been a little I, too I, high at like what did we have the 38th pick or something like that, like or or 42. But like when like so, someone asked me after, like in the pre-draft when I was talking about him like would you take him at forty two I was like I was like I would get behind it because he's an athletic freak but it's like he's not going to come in and give you like the pick number forty two production right away. Yeah, for me, if you're picking guys like that, they either have to play with. I don't want to say swagger because I feel like that's a stupid fucking word now, but like he he plays with with some level of aggression where it's just like. I know what my responsibility is, and if I'm wrong, at least I'm going to hit. Something. Yes, you know what I yes. mean. Like make that's mistakes, the kind of make thing them, I want. But make them fast. Like that's why I always lean towards the aggressive linebacker. Um, you know, that's something me and you both like about Tay Crowder. It's like this guy just goes, goes, goes. Like he he understands mm-hmm. his responsibility, and he's there to try and blow plays up. And you know what? Maybe that'll get guys screwed on a play action play, and they'll throw a pass over him every once in a while. But that guy's going to get better and learn to sniff that stuff out. Where the guy that just sits there is going to turn into Alec Ogletree. Um, at least Ogletree with the Giants. All right, who do you got next? Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it with the linebackers for now. Um, I have <clears throat> I have Ventral Miller from Florida. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, I, I preface this as being this is my watch list. So this guy, he's, he's up and down here. So... It, he has the potential to be somebody really, really important. So it, it's it's worth watching him. Um, but right, he, he's senior at Florida, six feet, uh, about 230 pounds. I don't trust any numbers anywhere until combine. Um, right off the bat, I'm gonna I'm gonna clear right out of the way. Red flags for character. I believe he was cited for for pot. So that's you know something. It's a college thing. Whatever. Um, and then he was also, if I'm if I'm remembering right, part of the credit card scam at Florida that uh, Antonio Callaway was a part of, and Jordan Scarlett, and I think there were like nine well, of them. Well, you are um, like the co-expert on Florida Gators. You know, your your co-host, the cranky fan, which I was listening to your pod earlier, which he wasn't talking about the Gators, but he, you know, he was talking about his uh, his raise that player they called up, and then the Islanders, or not the Islanders, the Lightning, the Lightning fan. Um, 
Yep. So yeah, you got two Florida Gators players. So you're you're like the foremost expert on Florida Gators. Right. So the reason I picked these guys is I've kind of been watching them for a while already. So they were already on my watch list. And uh, I, in my opinion, they were at positions of need. And inside linebacker, I think, is a weak spot. I mean, you you, you go out and sign a free agent to a one-year deal, Reggie Ragland, you know, that's a small commitment, you know. Um, Tay Crowder is a seventh round draft. He's Mr. Irrelevant. You know, there's certainly upside there. He does some things well. And I think for a seventh round draft pick, getting any playing time in your first year is incredible. And he could rise up, but he could just as easily fall out. He could be at his ceiling already for this position. He's a converted running back. So this is something that they probably want to, you know, focus on. And if, and if a Christian Harris or a Ventrell Miller or something, somebody is there available for them, that's a upgrade, man. Upgrade whatever you got to do. It's time to win. Um, so, you know, I've been watching Ventrell Miller for a little while now, and he has traits that, that you really want to look for. For instance, very, very rare for inside a linebacker, sideline to sideline speed, straight up. I mean, he plays fast and is fast. And that's, that's, um, it's rare, you know, and, and being an SEC school and, and having production and doing things like that is I don't know. When I see athletic freaks in the Pac-12, I just kind of wonder how much their athleticism will get them in the SEC. So it's when somebody's athletic and utilizes it to production in the SEC, I, I kind of give it a notch above. Not to be, I don't know. I'm not a big college guy. I know people get really defensive about their conferences. I don't really care that much. I just, I just look at the facts, man. Um, he is raw. I don't think he picks up on things as quickly as he needs to. He makes up for it with his athleticism right now. Uh, but he's getting better, and I've seen him get better year after year. So um, he needs to get to continue getting experience to continue to develop. Um, I think he could be a better tackler on top of that too. Uh, he's usually good enough to get the job done, and he hits real hard, but he doesn't really utilize his wrap-ups really well. He doesn't twist really well. I think he can get better at that. I think uh, his sloppiness can let a stronger runner slip away. I think that he has man coverage ability for a linebacker. It's not really something that Florida does a whole lot of. They are very good at recruiting DBs and letting DBs be DBs. Um, but I think that he has that ability. Um, again, something he needs to keep working on, keep getting better, so he doesn't have to rely on his hands so much to feel where his guys are. He knows his zone, his gaps, um, things like that. Um, the thing that I like about him the best is he's an excellent inside blitzer really good utilizes his speed well and i don't just mean going fast i mean delayed blitzes faking that you're going to coverage faking that you're spying the quarterback faking that you're covering a running back and just knifing in there just turning on those jets to 100 miles an hour uh and, and going in there and hitting the quarterback is something that he does i think i think he executes better than anybody else at the linebacker position right now Okay, I, yeah. I, this is the one that we disagree on. I'm not super high on Ventrell. Um, like something I've got on him is like, it's like he plays good gap football, but it's like he rarely shoots a gap to me. Where it's like he's just like he's playing his gap, he's playing his role, but it's like he, I don't ever see him like like come up to get like that pop in the line of scrimmage unless it's a plan like, hey, we we want you moving forward as soon as the snap goes. Um, and I just I just think sometimes there's a second late, whether it's in like it's like. You can see that he can run with a you know a crossing route or something, but I think sometimes he picks it up a little slow, and it's like, all right, it's like you can run with that guy, but he's got to step on you. 
because you like you weren't anticipating it as well, which obviously is a hard task for for linebackers in general. Um, so I I wrote he's a solid player, but he might be just a guy. That's my worry with Ventrell. So he might just be like be a guy who's like he knows how to play the linebacker spot. He's not you know he's not horrid, horrendous. He's not going to embarrass your team. But I don't know if he's ever going to be like a guy who's going to come and just like be a a a, a, re- a play wrecker for your defense. Yeah, and that's that's why I said this is strictly a watch list guy for me. He missed time because he was suspended because he's a jerk off. But um, it's it he's got to get better at all these little things. But all those things I think are it's just mental game for him. He doesn't want to screw up. He and so he's thinking a little bit too much. That's something that he can improve on, or he could stay this way and just be a guy like you said. So like my prime example for one of those guys that could go either way is JC Horn last year was on my watch list. I was really worried about his handsiness and where that would lead him in his final year at, at South Carolina. I don't know if he was a senior or junior, I can't remember, but um I mean, he stepped up to the plate. His handsiness is still I, I think like a, a a minor worry, but I mean, there's a reason he's a first-round draft pick. He could have easily stayed the same you know, from the year before yeah. and just kind of went unnoticed. But I mean, his name was everywhere um, when, when the draft process truly started at the end. Oh yeah. Cause I remember me and you actually talked about him at the very beginning mm-hmm. of last season. So I do a mid season mock draft and I was, and he was like the guy I picked in the second round, you know, for the giants. And then yep. he ends up being like the first defensive player off the board. Um, so he, I mean, he rose and he rose fast to, you know, being like, Hey, he's right there with certain and Farley too. He got drafted ahead of those guys. Um, even though I did like Farley more than him, but obviously the injuries. Um, all right, next on my list, this is probably the guy I like the most out of any of the players I'm talking about. Um, if I'm talking all eight of our players, I probably like Kayvon Thibodeau the most, but this is the guy I like the most. Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. I know you're just crapping on the Pac-12, but I really like Devin Lloyd. He's six foot three, 232 pounds. Um, and only five games, because again, the Pac-12 screwed up their season. He had 48 tackles, 10 for a loss, two sacks. In 2019, in 14 games, he had 91 tackles, 11 for a loss, six and a half sacks, and an interception. He was a guy that was like thinking about coming out this past year, but decided to go back. And I think that's smart for him, which the more I watch these inside linebackers, and I watched inside linebackers that we're not talking about today, like Owen Papo, it really reminds me how good the 2020 inside linebacker class is. Like, I th- I think 2020's class may be one of the best inside linebacker class. Like, it might have been the strongest point of this past draft. Because you had Micah Parsons, you had Zayvon Collins, you had JOK, who a lot of people like. But then you had, like, Jamin Davis. You had, um, I think he went a little higher. But, like, Nick Bolton was a guy. Um, Chaz Saraz, a guy like Monty. Like, there was, there was probably, like, eight or nine inside linebackers where it's like, man, if we get one of these guys on day one or day two, I'm thrilled with them. Where, um... This year is like it's just not any guys that I like fell in love with. But Devin Lloyd is a guy I really like. Um, switch from safety, which people know me, I really like guys who switch from safety to linebacker for some reason. Um, extremely well inside linebacker who can play edge. He gets gets edge reps and can drop in the coverage. Um, he's got the speed like that sideline to sideline speed that's going to help him rack up tackles where he you know he's going to lead your team in tackles whenever he does come in the league. And then his burst and agility gives him tackles for our losses, even when he's slow to react. Sometimes it's like even like if he's not like just shooting a gap right off bat, he's got that speed and agility to get through there. Um, and part of that is heck, 
He has that that uh, speed, but he's like, as physical as as fast as he's he's as, just as physical. Like he takes on blocks. Um, like you know whether it's even just playing your gap and not getting moved, or you get a guard that's coming up to the linebacker and really trying to get to you, and he's a little overzealous. He'll shed you and make that like make that offensive lineman look silly. Um, good blitzer who uses his hands like a lot of times inside linebackers, and this is some of the best linebackers in the NFL. They blitz, but they don't use their hand. Like Christian Harrison, I said Harris. I was like, this guy's a really good blitzing linebacker. He's not really using his hands. He's just got all the speed and agility to uh, to take take advantage of, of matchups where he uses his hands, and you really don't see that inside linebackers. Um, and it led to you know eight and a half sacks over his last nine game, nineteen games playing at that inside linebacker spot. In coverage, I think he's got decent zone instincts, not the greatest, but put him in man. Like he's a guy, just put him in man coverage, let him cover. Whether it's the running back or, you know, the tight end too. You don't really have linebackers covering tight end one a ton in the NFL anymore. Um, but putting him in, in those those situations and he'll look good. Um, I think his biggest negative is sometimes he misses tackles. Or he's, he's tackling low and the guys are following forward. And it's like he's physical, but it's like he needs to get better just as like a functional tackler. Not like not like he can't hold, hold on the guys, but it's like he's like he'll have he'll have a tackle where he can get the tackle and like he'll in a sense let that player get to the side and then be tackling him low instead of going high and meeting that person and trying to stop forward uh momentum. He just kinda and, and sometimes he just misses those flat out. But I, I like Devin Lloyd out of the three linebackers we talked about, he'd be my top guy um if we were doing the draft tomorrow. Yeah, he would be my, my top guy at inside linebacker as well. Um, you know, I, I could I could just you know reiterate everything you said. I don't want to give everybody um, the exact same words that you said coming out of a more handsome face and cooler T-shirt. So I mean, I'm gonna just I, put I the Luigi uh, screenshot over over your thing. <laughs> just over it's just gonna the be a frozen Luigi the entire time. You know what, man? Go for it. That one had the mustache and everything. I'm proud of that picture. I'm but gonna uh, find that and show it um, to the YouTube crowd. You should just put Justin's face over me. Yeah, and be like, look, Justin has strep throat. He's not feeling well, so we didn't put him on camera. But here's his voice. Um, <laughs> um, what you were saying about uh, his tackling ability, I, I, you know, he covers like a safety and he tackles like a safety. Is kind of how I, I have it in my head right now. Um, I think that. The one thing that we disagree on is I think that he is a far above average zone coverage linebacker. And the main thing I look at, and it's something that NFL linebackers struggle with on a play-to-play basis, is getting proper depth. And I think that he does that so well. And that's all, I think, just you know, just his experience at safety taking over and just the knowledge of the, the zone concepts. You know, knowing where he needs to be on the field. He completely erases some things just by getting proper depth. And it's something, like I said, that NFL linebackers... I mean, Giants fans should know. We haven't had a... Like, how many how many times have we... Some no-name tight end burned us for 200 yards and three touchdowns in a game because Wani Unga is our linebacker. Not lately, I will right? say that, though. Like, uh, Well, because that's because we signed Blake Martinez. Like, even 2019, as bad as the defense was, it wasn't tight ends burning us. Like it had in the past. There was a couple games. The Cowboys they did. The two Cowboys games they did. But besides that, we were pretty decent. I, I The Giants organization have made some below average tight ends make a lot of money on the free agent market, I think. Just by padding Blake stats. Blake Jarwin. 
Um, Blake Jarwin is the number one guy that comes in. And Dallas Goddard as well. Dallas Goddard is one of those guys that like you're like, man, we got to worry about him. And then you realize it's you only have to worry about him because you're Giants fans. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's something that Devin Lloyd does that very, very, very few linebackers do. And that's getting proper depth in his zone coverage. And it's, you know, we can talk about Ventrell Miller and his sideline to sideline speed or, you know, uh, how Christian Harris can run with Kyle Pitts, but the most common thing that these inside linebackers do in coverage is zone coverage. So getting proper depth, I think, is the most important thing. Whether it's the most rare or not, is kind of irrelevant. This is what's not irrelevant. Hey, oh wow! You, you managed to make a picture where I'm thinking, and clearly no thoughts are going. Through I, my head. I get so lucky. <laughs> I just like I go to this random spot in the video and screenshot it, and it's like. I get it perfect. So that is that's <laughs> going to be the promotional picture tonight. All right, who is perfect? Your third player, and then I'll do. We'll do giant stores after your player, and then we'll finish it off. So this is the one player that I did all my research on before this episode, and it's somebody I had written down. I wanted to look at for a long time, and I just I never had the time. And I didn't feel the the need to rush. Uh, and it's Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma, defensive tackle. Uh, gets a lot of praise, so I, I put him on my list. I hadn't watched a whole lot of Oklahoma last year. Uh, and I, I came away pretty unimpressed. Uh, kind of in the same way as Ventral Miller. I can see him rising. I can see what what people like about him. But right now, I'm I'm very, very lukewarm on him. I think he's got good body size. He's like 6'3", 6'4", around 300 pounds. He doesn't look 300 pounds. I'll say that. So either those those numbers are complete fabrication or he's just got very little uh, bad weight on him. Um, he could still stand to add more weight because they play him kind of everywhere. It's kind of a weird like 4-3 system that Oakland, uh, Oakland, Oklahoma uh, plays, but he plays kind of from like the 4 technique all the way into 0 technique and kind of frequently. He looks a little thin to be playing 0, but he, he does it multiple times per game. It's not just like a gimmick thing. Um, I think the biggest knock on him is his leverage is abysmal. I, I, he, he is six, three and he's all of six, three when coming off the ball and he needs to be more like four, one, you know? Um, but part of that is that he's super duper raw. He's a Juco product that went to Oklahoma. He decided to return to Oklahoma for a senior year, knew that he needed to get better at his craft. So if his head is in the right spot, he's now at a place where he's got the proper coaching. You know, Oklahoma is one of those upper echelon schools um, where he can get proper coaching, where he can get a proper off season workout, where he can get, you know, all that time in a proper weight room. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. I didn't even bother looking at whatever junior college he went to because I. I'm not going to pretend that I know the difference between the elite ones and the not elite ones. So, um, but even the elite junior colleges can't compete with something like Oklahoma. Um, I would say that like most of his production comes off of stunt work, and that's a lot of what Oklahoma does is they just they just you know run a stunt on their two defensive tackles but they run it really well and he does really well with it his good quickness to jump inside i think he might end up being more of that three technique four three deep defensive tackle that the giants just don't really need but i i, I mean it, it, there's so much there he's like a lump of unmolded clay that can kind of become a lot of different things in defensive scheme so definitely somebody to put on your radar and watch and see how he's improved but right now, I'm not seeing a lot of the love that I, you know, I see for him. If you had to bet, where what round would you bet he goes in? 
right now, based on what I've already seen from him in the film room, I wouldn't draft him until the third round. That's me. Well, if you want to bet on that, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook, and it's easy to navigate. It has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is pitting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. One, that's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention. Bet one dollar if that team wins, you win one hundred dollars in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Speaking of hockey, uh, Cranky on your show was pretty cocky about the Lightning, and now they're stuck in a game seven. Is he? How's he? Like I wasn't paying attention to Twitter. Was he like cussing out the the lightning yesterday or what? Man, I I have to deal with him with with football and you know like like sitting next to him and freaking out and then you know also I have to deal with him Sunday morning like as he's getting off of a plane. I picked him up from the airport at at in Newark you know, you know, like Liberty International and then driven to Secaucus and then taking the train to Giants games straight out of a, out of Gainesville. And, you know, if they lose, I don't even want to talk to him and I got to sit next the, to him. So the first five minutes, like, you know, the cranky fan sports update is my favorite part of your show. Um, oh yeah. It, it, you know, it's mine too. Cause like we do all this work right before we hit record. I'm sure you understand this where it's like, you're getting everything organized and then you immediately derail into some completely like emotionally charged, like, minute and whether it's it's the highs or the lows um cranky fan is the cranky fan i mean it really is a whole embodiment i have no idea what he was like about the the lightning game he gets a lot more heated with the rays the rays are are the best because that's when i see him like mf and people download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook (laughs) act now and use promo code john boy when you sign up to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars in free credits bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code JOHNBOY for a limited time. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out on site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, Giant Stories. <laughs> Matt Parrott, Xavier McKinney, and Alex Bachman were all at the Islanders and Lightning game three and four. But guess who was at game six? Ofedi Odenebo. Odene- Odenebo. Leonard Williams was at, under a waterfall and doing a bunch of other cool-ass stuff in Hawaii. Andrew Thomas was at Hawk Sixers game six. Sixers, you suck. Young Joka released international player, which caused a, a big ruckus. Colin Gillespie was at the Astros, Astros Rangers game. Reggie Ragland was at a wedding. Julian Love was conducting his youth football uh, camp. R.J. McIntosh was at the Dominican Republican or the Dominican Republic. Got that one really wrong. I said Dominican Republican. It's Dominican Republic with monkeys. He was playing with monkeys. Nick Gates was at the College World Series. Lorenzo Carter was at a bounce house party. Sandra Platzkummer was at a Sorico Raiders game in Austria, which is where he came from, and playing ping pong in the mountains. Everything they do in Austria is in the mountains. Gary Brightwell had a, a rap video out. 
Austin Mack went bowling. Glad Justin is here, not here, so we don't have to talk about boring bowling. Bowling's cool. Dante Pettis was skateboarding in Santa Monica with cleats, and someone pointed out to me, and I tweeted that he was actually working with Saquon on the beach in that in that video. Would you fuck with monkeys? I feel like yes. He would. If I was rich, I would love to have a monkey. Um, you know what a good old school Craigslist prank was? At four o'clock in the morning, what? putting your friend's phone number on Craigslist and saying "free monkey." Your friend will. The phone calls never stopped. To my, I I wasn't even the one who did it. <laughs> I wasn't the one who did it. Um, and but my my buddy, his name was Austin, was just getting his phone blown up. I left text messages, calls like he still got the monkey, like even like the I it's is blown up. And then so I took that idea and did it to um, a girl I know's dog. And she was like, post. I remember her posting on Facebook, like, someone put, you know, my dog for sale on Facebook or on <laughs> Craigslist. And trying, everyone wants my dog. Um, and I think I posted a picture and everything, too. Craigslist used to be, like, a lot wilder now. Now it kind of sucks. Like, I used to put ads on there for my company. And now it's like, you know, you have to pay for ads. And it's not what it used to be. It used to be, it used to be like the wild, wild west. Yeah, I was going to say, Craigslist, if the internet was the United States of America, Craigslist was Florida. Yes, yes, that's a, that's a good <laughs> yeah. comparison. Um, so, Leonard Williams was in Hawaii, living his best life. But he always, like, even though he was on vacation in Hawaii, like, his, his Instagram stories are always awesome. Like, so, Darius Slayton put out, a, you know, Darius Slayton's a good, like, so he's good at social media. And he's like, some people be taking vacation, and it seems like they're always on vacation. And I... And I was like, shots fired at Leonard Williams. And I think he might have not realized that I was being a little sarcastic. And he quote tweeted me with like, oh, like, no, he lives the life everyone wants to live. So I had to like try and clear it up. Um, but he really does live the life. But yeah, the monk, like, like when I saw that Instagram story of RJ McIntosh with the monkeys, I immediately was like, man, if I ever get rich, that might be like a rich, per like a, a rich Bobby purchase is, is getting a monkey. You are out of your mind. If if you nuts. could, if you took like obviously, you know, you don't just let it run free in your house. You got to take care of it. But I would, I think that would be cool as hell. Leonard Williams was playing I, with I, one I too, with like an, a, like a, a month. I ago. honestly think, even if you treated that thing with nothing but unfettered love, that is the one pet you could have that would murder you in your sleep. Well, don't give it. Just just randomly one day after thirty years, the thing would just like find a kitchen knife and slip. Thirty bro. years, I'll you know. I, I don't know how long do monkeys live, man. I'm, well, I'm saying if I'm if I'm trying to play the math, if I'm gonna ever get rich, it'll probably take a good ten years. That's forty years from now, so seven years old. I lived a nice life. I had thirty years with a cool ass monkey, and he, he ended up turning on me. I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> Lorenzo Carter, you know, they were having some kind of birthday party with the bounce house. And this is kind of, you know, it, whenever I tell like stories about my dad, it really like explains a lot with me. When we, because we used to get to like the bounce house for like my sister's birthday. I remember my dad and my uncles, they would scoot the bounce house over up and next to the house. And then at the like end of like whenever all the kids that went home and all the families, are, my dad and my uncles are jumping off of the roof onto the bounce house. And it wasn't like a straight jump either. It's like you had to jump out and into the bounce house, which was good. And then if you turn the bounce house off with kids in it, it's like, it just, I just remember it always making my mom and, and my aunts really pissed off. Um, but yeah, bounce houses, like there's so much more fun you can do with them besides just simply bouncing on them. 
Um, um, I, I think honestly, the number one, uh, not talked about like killer toy is trampolines, and right behind that is bounce houses. I mean, those things are nothing but like injury. But at least factories. bounce houses have walls to like protect you. Where trampolines, it's like you, yeah. if you have a trampoline, you're gonna end up going off of it at, at some point. Or the Linkle break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever watched the videos of guy of like those, like those? They make face like I've seen it on Facebook videos where it's like they drop like bowling balls and boulders off like, like or like a car <laughs> off of like a you know a ten story bike building into these big old trampoline. I don't know. It's they, I get caught in those wormholes sometimes. Of you know, watch watch this SUV go you know fall three hundred yards into a uh, a trampoline. Um. I have not. I've definitely seen compilations of people getting hurt on them, and that's a that's a rabbit hole I've fall down. Yeah, I I think we had a trampoline for a little while. I think I was a little like kind of past that stage when my I think my my younger siblings like they got to play with the trampoline. Um, is there anything else? Go, people going to sports games? That's boring. Um, Dante Pettis. He was in Monaco with uh, Mon- Santa Monica with a. Uh, with Saquon, that's pretty cool. Did you say he was skateboarding with cleats? Well, on? he was skateboarding and he had like his cleats in his hands. Where I was like, oh, you know, oh. you know, just skateboarding down Santa Monica is pretty cool. But then I re- I see him in the background of a Saquon workout video. I was like, oh, that's even cooler. Um. All right, that's giant stories. Right, we got two final players. I'm gonna let you go with your guy because he is who I think is the best player out of all the players. Uh, that you actually no, I said that with Kayvon Thibodeau, but I really like this guy, and I have a hard time judging corners, but I really like this guy. So this is the dude I've watched since he was a true freshman, and this is another one of those guys that's w- was playing right away as a true freshman, and that's really saying something at Florida playing corner, and that's Kyer Elam, um, true junior right now, six one, one hundred eighty pounds. He's Abram Elam Elam's son. Probably Abram Elam is probably most known for being part of the trade to cleveland uh for mark sanchez for the for the pick for mark sanchez um whatever but he's also matt elam's nephew who was a safety i was gonna say i knew matt years. elam more than i did abram elam, but i think I, matt elam was a gator too though right okay yes. i think that's where i knew yeah, him from yeah um i don't remember who drafted him i want to say atlanta but i i can't I'll remember um but but Abram Elam went to Kent State and he was kind of like the unheard of one. Um, but Kair right away from true freshman was playing. He's tall, uh, you know, six one, one hundred eighty. He's a little bit slight, but he has that build to grow. He has really good speed, really good short area quickness. But most importantly, he plays with really really solid instincts and really good football intelligence. He very rarely makes mistakes. I would say if there's one thing that I I think he can work on it's being a little bit more aggressive you know i I don't want to sound like a broken record but i really do like people who would rather make a mistake at 100 miles an hour than be sure of themselves at you know 75 miles an hour because that 25 miles an hour is all the difference in the nfl but remember also true junior um so plenty of room to keep getting better uh florida used him mostly as an off ball corner like like way off uh, there's not a whole lot of film of him right at the line of scrimmage, but there is film there. He's done that. He's also played inside. Uh, so, you know, I think that lack of experience right on the line of scrimmage has caused him to be 
almost too not handsy. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely not going to get you a ton of pass interference calls when he's playing off ball, but he's also not going to jam very effectively. I think right now, because he doesn't have a lot of experience with it. In fact, I would say maybe almost none because he plays so infrequently at the line of scrimmage, but he's really, really smart. He's very patient to watch things develop and understand what's going to happen. He's very, very infrequently beaten on fakes or doubles. Um, He could be a little bit faster, I think, but you know, he, he, there's room for every player right. to grow. He's an excellent tackler. And it's my favorite thing is that, it, and it's very much of what the Giants did as a defense in 2020 is a bend, don't break. Like if it's third and 10, you're getting nine yards, but you're not getting nine and a half or 10. And that's the way he tackles. If, if someone's going to catch the ball, that's pretty much where they're going down. He's not very flashy. I mean, he's not going to have, you know, 10 picks next year, I don't think. But he's very solid and oftentimes isn't even tested by by quarterbacks. I really like Kyrie Elam. I think he might be the best corner to come out next year. Uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I've been watching him for like three years now and just get better and better. And better. I like him a lot, man. Um, like you, you, you mentioned. Um, you know, he's, he's active in the run game, and they use him as a blitzer too, which you know that stuff does matter. Um, I, I would maybe worry about him getting burned at at. at times like you said something can be faster but um you mentioned him not playing a ton of like close press man versus georgia he did a little bit it wasn't necessarily a press man but he was you know playing you know up right up on those wide receivers and he looked really comfortable with it and like you said like he just makes no he makes zero mistakes like there was not a single mistake from that game um and like he would kind of kept that hand in the hip pocket of the receiver and like I said, sometimes you'd worry about him getting burnt, but it's like he would trail in that right spot, and he like he just he always has a feel of where that receiver is, where he can look back on the at the QB and make a play on the ball. Where a lot of guys, you know, they they can play the receiver, but it's like they don't know when the ball's coming, they don't know how to play through the ball. Um, they they um, so yeah, but I, I really liked him, and Matt Elam uh, played for the Ravens. Yes, the Raven. Yeah, I mean the way he plays is so sound already. He looks like a 16 year old playing in the little league world series with like a fake social security card or something. Um, he's just so comfortable. He never really looks frazzled ever, not in the middle of route, not in between plays. He looks so comfortable. Like he's just out there going to work and just doing his job. And, um, you know, I think it's really important. The giants look at corners. James Bradbury is, is everything we hoped he'd be, but he's not signed for forever. And, you know, we've already gotten into the second year now. And Adoree Jackson, you know, we don't really know if his injuries are going to prop up again or if he's going to be clean now. It's important for the Giants to keep stockpiling really good DBs. I wouldn't say every year, but it's important to to do that every two years. You know, keep keep rolling those DBs in the draft because they can always... Worst case scenario is you have too many good corners and then you have a trade asset or something like that. And if, if their approach is going to be to get really good pass coverage and let you know coverage sacks be their thing and and allow that to be the pressure then they need to keep doing this so it's i don't want to hype up a player that most giants fans are gonna be like we don't need a corner because we have bradbury and jackson and and robinson and and, oh yeah stuff changes quick man like don't like like any position we're talking about like don't get like oh we're not gonna besides actually you know what not even you never know what's gonna happen um i'm gonna go quick with my last guy and this is a guy like He's just like a guy. He's just a guy I like. Now I don't think he's projected to go first round. I've seen some with him in like in the second round stuff, but it's so early. But I'm a Miami fan, so I got to put a Miami guy in there. Safety, Bubba 
Bolden, which is just a great safety name in general. Six foot three, two hundred pounds. Transfer from USC in, two, in, two, in 2020 has 74 tackles, six and a half for a loss, a sack, and an interception. Played all over for Miami, but mostly as a split too high safety. Um, nice burst and good long speed, but I don't think he's cut out for like that NFL center field player, which not a lot of guys are. But I just don't, I just don't see that being at his at his role. Um, but Miami truly did play him all over the place. And I want to see Miami let him play a role this year. Like, they didn't play him up in the box much, but let him be... I don't, just let him play a role where he can come downhill or or whatever. Just let give him a clear-cut role, not a you know a guy who you're playing all over the field and doing a million different uh, responsibilities. But obviously, Miami's got to play their game, not try and make him ready for the NFL. Comfortable and man coverage. Um, you know, agility to stick with, uh, with guys and, you know... We mentioned earlier, linebackers aren't covering tight ends much anymore. It's it's the safeties that are covering tight ends. Um, good tackler in open field who really bites the ball and is looking for that big hit. Like, he's an aggressive player, aggressive to jump routes. Uh, but instincts aren't, like, crazy. You know, like, he's aggressive, but, it, like, his instincts, like, he, he's not a safety like Antoine Winfield Jr., who was like, man, this guy's instincts are through the roof. He's always near the ball. Um Good timing blitzer off the edge. And then, you know, like I said, he just doesn't have a ton of, of box experience. I, I like him. I, I hope he gets better in growth his second year with Miami because he's just a player I like. You know, when I'm watching Miami games, I'm always looking to see what Bubba Bolden's doing on that play. So that's that's Bubba Bolden. Where's number 21 from Miami? Safety. He just he just looks like a cool player out there. All right. He does. He I think he moves like intro roll. You know, I used to always think Antro Roll was a Miami guy for some reason. No, Antro Roll is a Miami guy. He who was I? Guy. I would always no. Kenny Phillips is who I would I would always screw up as a Miami guy. Kenny Phillips was a Miami guy. Kenny Phillips, Antro Roll, and Sean Taylor were all on the same team. At I one think point. Kenny Phillips went to somewhere else. Nah. No, Kenny Phillips was a Miami. Did they, who am I, think, I Antro who Roll, thinking? Antro Roll. Who am I thinking of that I thought was a Miami guy that wasn't? Oh, this is really going to bother me. Because you're right, Antron Roll. No, I've, I've, I've successfully no, done yeah. my co-host job. First, in, I, in Arizona, he played with the Cardinals. That's where I screwed up. Um, that's really what safe. And I, it was on a Talking Giants episode, and somebody corrected me. Like this guy didn't play at Miami. Oh well, I screwed it up. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> waste any more time. We can follow you at football underscore Grump. Go subscribe to the Just Giants podcast. Thank you for subbing in on short notice. Um, truly do appreciate it. So everyone go follow them. Go check out their podcast. I know you guys are fiending for Giants content this time of year. Uh, you guys are doing like your your uh, schedule preview right now and, and, and talking some other things. Although your last episode, I think some people might get a little mad at you for your retired number um, uh, take. But it's, it's, it's just my yeah, take. It's not. It wasn't a, a, a disrespect to the player you're trying to talk about. But it's just, I, I agree with you. It, okay, so let's let's unpack it real quick, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll end the show. It. You're talking about retire retiring numbers, and like I don't think we should be so quick to retire numbers. Eli, I think it's fine to be quick because Eli is like he's the most iconic player in franchise history, even more than Lawrence Taylor, I think, who is you know like arguably the great. Like I do think Eli is more important to the franchise. Um, maybe that's me being young and, and a little naive. Uh. But what sucks is the Giants retired so many numbers back in the day. And now they were for good reasons, guys who've like fought in World War II and stuff, but it does kind of suck. It's like we don't have a ton of numbers. And 
But I do agree. We're like, people like, who took number... Oh, Kadarius Tony took number 89. And people are like, that's disrespectful to Mark Bavaro. It's like, listen, I like Mark Bavaro. Good player. Super Bowl. But it, Mark Bavaro's not a retire his jersey type player. You know, like, I like him. Um, so I think since 1980, I think Hall of Famers. I think Hall of Famers should get their numbers retired. So I think Eli, Strahan, and no one's wore 92 since Strahan, but it's not officially retired. Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson. I think those are the four players since the 80s that should have their numbers retired. So you don't think Sims? Yeah, Sims too. He's yeah, he's a QB for a Super Bowl team. You got to retire, you know. And he, and he wasn't just for, for two. Technically, well, yeah. technically two, but that's so I weird. I wish did. I was alive for that because I think I'd have a better grasp of that. So yeah, maybe we just retired Jeff Hostetler's number. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, that's the show. We can't. Let's not. We already went late, so I don't want to make it too long. That's it. I appreciate you guys. See you on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. We have a cool interview. Remember the guy who was part of the you know. The Bill Walsh like thing, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chaney, who was a coach for the Giants during the offseason. We did an interview with him, so we'll have that and some other stuff on Tuesday. Um, tweet at Justin to get healthy or else. Like, be like, hey, like, hey, we're hoping you feel better, but make it say it in a threatening way. So we appreciate you guys. See you on Tuesday. Until then, let's go big blue.